Amen. In Jesus' name, we agree. <clears throat> well, let's make this confession. The Word of God. Go ahead. You're way ahead of me. Okay, we'll see how good you do it. On the count of three. One, two, three. You did a great job. It's good to see you all. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, help me out here tonight because as I share this message that I feel like the Lord has, has had put in my heart to share on these four Wednesdays on, call it the coming storm, but we're talking about the end times and the time that we actually are living in right now and what the Word of God says about what we're going to be experiencing and how we're going to be blessed coming into it, going through it, and coming out of it. But sometimes you have to pay attention to the road signs. And I don't know if any of you have seen this new commercial on television, but I think it is hilarious from a guy's standpoint. Pam and I saw it. I saw it for, she saw it for the first time last night. I had seen it. <clears throat> but this guy has obviously wrecked his car and ran over a sign that said, uh, um, Icy Roads. And he jumps out of his car and says, what sign? I didn't see any sign. And he slips on the ice and falls on his back. It's absolutely a hilarious commercial. This typical guy thing, like, what sign? Or whatever. I didn't see the Indians, you know, that type of thing. But uh, anyway, you'll get that one in a minute. <clears throat> but, but it was really hilarious. But I was thinking as I was sharing and praying over this message today that <clears throat> when you're driving down a road, the road signs are there to help you, uh, show you what speed to drive, uh, show you whether or not there is danger ahead and all of those types of things. And if you pay attention to the signs, you go through them pretty well. But if you ignore the signs, you ignore them at your own peril. And God has spoken to us, and I'm going to give you the scripture tonight, but I'm going to give you an overview of this entire series. God has spoken to us, and he's told us what he's going to do and what's going to happen. Sometimes we take what's going to happen as that's what God is going to do. God is telling us what's going to happen, but he's not doing it all. It's just going to happen. And it's going to happen because of the things in the world that are happening that are demonic in nature, that there is a spirit of the Antichrist, that he's moving around the world, and he's having great success at what he's doing. And part of the success that the Antichrist is having is because the body of Christ is not standing up like the body of Christ should. However, it is written what's going to happen regardless of how the body of Christ stands up or does not stand up. God's will is going to be done. So tell your neighbor, God's will is going to be done. When God created mankind, he wanted fellowship with his creation. And God created us and blew into the nostrils of Adam the breath of God, the very breath of God that is what you and I breathe as descendants from all of the things that God wanted us to have. And God has always had a desire to fellowship and be with his creation. But because of sin, God does not fellowship with sin. God destroys sin. Not the sinner, but sin. So that drove God and man apart. And God sent Jesus to bring us back together. Before that, he gave us covenants that mankind could never keep. And so he's always wanted to fellowship with us. And now through the fall of man and then through Jesus coming and mankind having a redemption and being able to accept 
Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be remitted of all of your sins and forgiven of all of your sins like they never, ever happen and have eventually eternal life with God, that was God's original plan, and that was God's plan. But because of all of the depravity that is on this earth, God knew that not everyone was going to come to him through his son Jesus, and that there is going to be another shaking that's going to take place. And that shaking is called the tribulation period. And we're going to talk about this with Scripture, not just this overview, but with Scripture. <clears throat> During the seven-year tribulation, when all hell breaks loose on this earth, and the Holy Spirit is removed, and the believers are gone from this earth, there will be an opportunity for people to receive Jesus. It will cost them their lives. It's written in the Word. Many will be beheaded because they have given their life to Jesus during the tribulation period. You and I look at beheading and we look at swords and we look at people being tortured as things that that's what they did in the dark ages. Well, if you get the news channel and not necessarily the mainstream news, but if you're watching Fox News or if you're on the Internet, you're watching it happen before your very eyes. Christians being beheaded because of their faith. And we're seeing the, 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 the outer band. This is the, what came to me last night and this morning as I was praying. On a hurricane, you have an outer band. Years and years ago, I, when I was in the service, I flew on a hurricane hunter uh, one time from, from Puerto Rico into Cuba. And uh, they were explaining to me how the hurricane hunters uh, operate. And they fly right into the eye of a, of a hurricane. And they fly around and they test all of the seismographic things and they radio them back and do whatever they do. Planes are unique. They're like a commercial plane, but when you get inside, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Everything is bolted down. <clears throat> and these guys were talking about how exciting it is when you fly into a hurricane. And that when you get into that moment of that outer band and there's a little shaking going on and then you get into the main flow of that hurricane and then you get into the center and it's just totally calm, totally peaceful until you get ready to fly out again. And the outer bands are kind of a warning sign that something is coming. And I believe that the coming storm that is coming to this world that is already arriving, the outer bands are already there and we're seeing part of them. Now, we live in Lafayette, Indiana, and this is a relatively peaceful place. How many of you would say Lafayette, Indiana is a lot peaceful, more peaceful than Mosul uh, over in the Middle East? Uh, you don't have to worry about whether or not you can go to bed tonight or whether you have a bed tonight. <clears throat> and I don't know how many of you know this, but, uh, but Mosul is right across the river from Nineveh. It's a, very, uh, it, it's a historic place from a biblical standpoint. And right now they're destroying all of the Christian churches. They're destroying all of the artifacts. They're doing everything they can to wipe out all forms of Christianity over there. Why? Because the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well. Now, <clears throat> lest this get too heavy in here tonight, and I pray that it doesn't, but there's nothing wrong with knowing what's going to happen so that you can respond to it. Does that make sense to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to know, I want to know what's going to happen. Tell your neighbor, I want to know what's going to happen. So then you can be ready. And if you know the, the times and the season that we live in, then you're ready to go. Tonight, I don't know what's going to be, what, minus two degrees? My guess is if you go out tonight, you're not going to, later on tonight, isn't that right? Oh, it's tomorrow night. What's it going to be tomorrow night? You don't know. You, you watch the Weather Channel all day long. You what? <laughs> <laughs> Pam's always got the weather channel on. I come out and say, what's the weather going to be? She says, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, I, 
I thought I saw somewhere where it's minus one or minus two degrees. Most of us are not going out in shorts and tanks atop uh, with minus two degrees. We're going to dress according to the season that we're in. So <clears throat> just like <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes, it says that there, there are different seasons that we enter into. Time to live, time to die. Uh, talks even about time to kill. And you might, well, guys, I don't know if I want all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God tells us that. So if we study that and we know that, okay, it's probably important that I know what kind of season I live in. And it says in First Chronicles that the sons of Issachar knew the seasons. They were seasoned leaders and they knew the seasons. We need somebody, more than somebody, we need everybody to know what is about to happen as we continue into the end times so that we're going to be stable in whatever mode of transportation we're in, whatever we're doing, we'll say, oh, God told me that was coming. And he also told me that I am going to be okay. The world's not going to be okay, but we're going to be okay if we are positioned where God wants us to be. And we're going from glory to glory, just like the Word of God says. But this is one thing that I believe. I hope you hear this correctly, that you cannot necessarily use in the end times. You can't go in and cherry pick a scripture to fit whatever you want if it's contrary to what God said he's going to do. Does that make sense? Oh, I don't want to see the end times. I pray that will not happen. I rebuke the Antichrist. He's not coming to this earth. Jesus said he's coming. God gave us his word and told us exactly what's going to happen. So don't waste your time trying to rebuke God and what he said he's going to do. That's what Peter tried to do. And what did God say when, he, and when Peter tried to rebuke the word of the Lord? He said, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what, what you're talking about. <clears throat> so we've got to get to the point. Now, it's not doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom. But if you are a person who is fearful now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know who you are. If you're a person who is fearful with certain things right now, then you're not ready for the end times and the storm that's coming. You're going to have to get rid of that fear because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but it's going to power, love, and a sound mind. Can you say amen to that? So turn to your neighbor and just tell him, I am not fearful. Now, when we read the scripture, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, I, I have probably some of my favorite people that I read their books. You do too. Um, Perry Stone is, is, a, is a great author and teacher, uh, and he has studied end times uh, all of his life. Uh, Hilton Sutton, who is now with the Lord. Uh, I have read almost not everything, but much of what he has written, a powerful man of God who's really broken it down to where I can, I guess the reason I like some of these guys is because I can understand what they write. Sometimes when you get involved in the end times and you start reading some of this time, it can get a little deep, it can get a little heavy if you don't have revelation from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and then... Uh, John Hagee, probably one of my personal favorites. I can understand him uh, probably more than anybody as to what he writes. And, and he has written a lot about what all is going on in the world. Now, the good news is 
that we are, and we're going to talk about this in a subsequent um, a couple of weeks down the road. But the good news is that when all hell breaks loose on this earth, if you're a born-again believer and you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're not going to be here. You're going to be out of here. But we don't just want to lick our lips and say, hey, I don't care. I'm, not, I'm out of here, man. It's up to you guys. No, it really would make us excited to really be about the Father's business. If you had, we have, we have neighbors, Ed and Ruby. Uh, I know them better than any of our neighbors. I would warn all of our neighbors, but, but Ed and Ruby especially, if, if their house caught on fire, I'd run over and jerk the door open and tell them. I wouldn't say, well, they just may want to burn down. No, I, I don't think they would like that, and I wouldn't feel very comfortable with that myself. But <clears throat> we're living in a time frame now where evangelism and telling people about Jesus is going to come to the forefront if you really believe that we are close to the rapture of the church. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but Pastor Hagee has said in his books and in his teaching and, and, and recently that he believes that everything is finished on the face of the earth that needed to be finished scripturally that would indicate that the Son of God could come and rapture the church at any moment. It could happen tonight. I don't know for sure if that is correct or not, but I don't know anything personally contrary to that. Because when you study the end times and you get involved, and by the way, I'll be the first to tell you, I am not an in-depth study person of the end times. I have not spent my lifetime studying the end times. So for me... It's probably relatively new for about the last five to six years. But as I get into it, I'm fascinated by it as to how simple it is. God loved us. God saw us stray away. God still loves us. He's going to remove his hand from this earth. The wrath of the Antichrist is coming on all of the people of the earth. And it's going to be horror on this earth. But... Because the seed of the word of God has been planted on this earth, every single person during the rapture and during this great shaking and this great storm will have an opportunity one last time to come to the Lord. It will cost them everything. And we think, well, how could that happen? That's happening right now in the Middle East. Every single one of those people over there that are having their heads cut off, they're doing it because they love God and they will not compromise. They're giving them a chance to receive Islam and to come to that demonic stronghold of radical Islam or lose your family and lose your life. Now, this is not a heavy message. It's just a factual message. It's happening right now. This is the outer band of the storm that's coming. And the vision that I've had, and I've shared with the church on a few Sundays here, but the vision that I've had, and by the way, you can turn to Matthew chapter 24, is this family sitting in their home. And, and, and it's kind of like a California setting. This family is sitting in their home, and, and they're watching television, and this is their positioning every night. They just go home and watch TV, and that's what they do. Nothing wrong with watching TV. Pam and I watch TV some. But they just go home, and they sit and watch TV, and this fire, this raging forest fire is coming over the mountain. And I see it. I saw it. In my, in, in my, it was just a crystal clear vision. And I was coming over the mountains. And there were warning signs everywhere, but they were engrossed in the show that they were watching. And all of a sudden, this fire got closer and closer and closer. It began to melt down whatever was feeding into there, and their TV set went out. And they looked around, and as they looked around when their TV set went out, the fire engulfed the house and engulfed them, and everything was destroyed. 
in just a moment's notice. Now, I know enough from watching the news that that can happen very quickly and very easily in California and in other areas where you have forest fires. We have to be wise as serpents, and we have to understand the times that we live in. And this whole message is going to be geared and funneled into the scripture that is John chapter 16, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes will lead and guide you into all truth. And he will give you everything, I'm paraphrasing, everything that Jesus had will be given to you so that you will be able to live on this earth exactly as Jesus lived. And that you will be able to come through everything that God has for you. And that we need to understand how to position ourselves based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, where we're going to be reading tonight, Jesus told us exactly what is going to happen And when we start to read the very beginning, and I'm going to paraphrase some of it for you because uh, of of time's sake, but but Jesus is is sharing with his disciples, and, and it starts out in verse number 24. It says, Jesus departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings and show him the various things in the temple. And Jesus said, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, for you and I to read that, it's like, yeah, the temple was destroyed. I know that. When Jesus said that, the temple had not been destroyed. The temple would never be destroyed based on what the people thought because the temple was magnificent. It was huge. It was huge, huge granite boulders. There's no way it was going to be destroyed. Yet he gave them an inkling of prophetically what was going to happen And he wants all of us to know what is going to happen on this earth. Now, we can pray for revival, and we should. Because as the shaking starts, there are people that are going to come to the Lord. But as the shaking starts, there are people who are going to fall away. And we're going to read about this scripturally in just a moment. That the very elect will be deceived. Is there deception in the world today? Oh, it's everywhere. And in America, there's much deception. There's deception in our government. The original intent of this great nation is being changed by people that I believe with all of my heart are influenced by the Antichrist. Abortion, influence of the Antichrist. Gay marriage, influence of the Antichrist. Lesbians, influence of the Antichrist. Uh, 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 Gay marriage, nothing gay about it, but gay marriage, influence of the Antichrist. Abortion, certainly the Antichrist. And as you look at all of these things and you, and you look at how do they line up scripturally and you see that the Antichrist has filtered in to, well, now we don't want to make anybody feel bad about themselves. And when you start to do that, then you start to move away from the things of God. And what we've got to do as a nation and as a people is come back to the things of God. Yet we know that not everybody's going to do that, and that there's going to be a further drifting away from the things of God, and that if you're not careful, you will go with them. Presbyterian USA Church drifted away from God, in my opinion. Uh, they, they believe that it's okay now to ordain uh, homosexuals, lesbians. They feel there's no difference, that there should be diversity of faith in the pulpit, in the ministry. That is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. That is absolutely contrary to the Holy Spirit. Many mainline denominational churches are beginning to divest themselves from Israel, which I shared Sunday. That is absolutely contrary to what it says in Scripture. If you want to be blessed, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. 
And that we need to come to the point when we understand what does the Word of God say, not just my teacher, not just my professor, what does the Word of God say, and what does the Holy Spirit say? Does that make sense to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm with you so far. Okay, so now what we're going to look at, because if you're not careful, you will believe what you hear on the news, and you will believe what somebody that you respect and admire says. Nothing wrong with respecting and admiring somebody, but be careful what thoughts you entertain and make sure they line up with the Word of God about the time frame that we live in. Now, this is what Jesus went on to say in verse number 3. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, Well, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then Jesus answered them and said basically what I just shared with you. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and that I and will deceive many. And then this is one of the, the most important parts of Scripture. This will be what the sign of the times will look like. Now, <clears throat> And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're there now, folks. See that you are not troubled. Now, is that a contrary scripture or not? When you watch, when you watch the news and you see ISIS and you see the, uh, the, the Kurds over there fighting ISIS and you see them come into Mosul and you see them, if, if, you're, if you're bold enough, uh, personally, I think the media ought to put it on television. Uh, you have to go on the Internet to see it. But to watch the atrocity that's taking place over there, a lot of people don't want to see it because they don't want to believe it. You can believe it without seeing it, but there's something about seeing it that you will believe it. That is demonic. That is demonic. Those aren't people just trying to have a better life and need a job. That's demonic. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. And when those things are happening, and they're happening right before our eyes, but then look what he says. He says, lost my place here. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. In other words, that should not trouble us because we know it's going to happen. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about it other than to pray. And other, hopefully God will give you wisdom and things of that nature. But don't let your heart be troubled. Is that, does that make sense? Okay, now that's hard to do if you're not fixed on the Word of God. Then it says, now the reason he doesn't want you troubled is because you can break yourself away from the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can just put your head in the sand and say, I'm not watching that anymore. No, no, you've got to be ready to be used. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now what did he say? That's what I said. All these things must come to pass. What did he say? So are we going to prevent wars and rumors of wars? We are not. Thank God for the United States military. However, we are not going to change what God said is going to happen in the end times. We will not prevent the wars around the world. Should we help people when we can with our military? Certainly. We will not stop wars, and we will not stop rumors of wars. They're coming. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. 
and there will be famines. These are happening around the world, especially in Africa. Pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Now, that's not happening in America right now. That's not happening in Lafayette, Indiana. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. But it is happening around the world. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. There was an article in the paper yesterday by a professor at Indiana University. And I don't really ever write letters to the newspaper. And I thought about writing it to this one. And then I thought better. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to get involved in that. But she is a member of the gay, lesbian, something or other group in, down in Bloomington. And she said there is no persecution of Christians uh, anywhere. And uh, that was the headline. And I turned to my wife and I said, well, I was really glad she wrote that letter because I thought we were being persecuted around the country here. But now that I've read the letter, I realize that wasn't true what I've seen. Uh, you would have to be brain dead and an idiot to think there was not persecution of Christians in America and around the world. And even, it's always been around the world, especially in the Middle East, but now in America we're having the same thing. And all you got to do is, is, is watch what's going on if you're watching something other than a secular television show. Uh, if you're watching Fox News, you're going to get the, the news. You may not like it, and I'm not saying everybody needs to watch Fox News, but that's where I get most of my current information. It's like a ticker tape of current information that's going on. Now, sometimes I shake my head and think, what's going to happen next? And then there's something else that is a next. But a lot of what I see is confirming the things that the Lord has shown me is going to happen and, and find out that they are happening in the world today. And then it says, many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. How many of you would say that you know a person or people that their love for God has grown cold and they're out of church right now? Can I see your hands? Looks like almost 90% of you have your hands raised up. It's happening right now. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a witness to all of the nations and then the end will come. And what will the end be? That will be when God raptures the church out of here. Now, how many of you are like me and have no idea other than what you read in the Word of God how that's going to happen? I have no idea how that's going to happen. We're going to study that in detail later. But the trumpet is going to blow. Obviously, it's something spiritually. And when the trumpet blows, we're all gone. And we're out of here. And the rapture takes place. I don't know how that works. Do you know how that works? I don't understand that. Does anybody know exactly how that works? I have no idea. I'm just hoping and praying I hear the trumpet. I'm hoping and praying that trumpet's for me. I'm hoping that some of these guys that think that the rapture, that we're going to go through the rapture, I'm hoping they're wrong and I'm right. And I've told a couple of them that I've talked to, I've said, look, if you want to go through the rapture, be my guest. I'm out of here. That trumpet blows, I'm coming up. And if they say, hey, you're here by mistake, I say, I'm staying if you'll let me. <laughs> because we're going to talk about the rapture in the fourth, fourth session. The rapture is going to be the most horrible thing this earth has ever extended. Not the rapture, I'm sorry, the tribulation. 
that the tribulation period is going to be God's final act of love. I'm going to shake things until they can't be shaken anymore because I love my people and I pray and I hope that they'll all come back to me one final time. It may cost them their life. It may cost them a beheading, but they will have eternal life with me. And that's why it's so important that you witness to people everywhere that you go because the seeds that you plant will be seeds that can be used in the realm of the tribulation period. All of my relatives, but one, before they died, a lot of my family's going on, my mom and my dad. My mom and dad, they thought I got involved in a, with a cult when I got saved. They, I got saved under Charles Hackett's ministry out of First Assembly. And, and my mom and dad, when I got saved, I went home. I said, I got saved. And they said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, I don't really know. But, but my whole life feels different. I feel real different. And, and they thought I got involved in a cult. They said, we think that's a cult. I said, well, I don't know. All I know is I love the people and love what's happening. My mom and dad went out to find out what this cult was at First Assembly, got saved, became ushers and greeters. And until we started this church, they were out there the whole time. My aunt and uncle, I remember when they were on their deathbed and I was sharing with them and and they said, we're good Catholics. And I said, well, that's great. Good Catholics can go to heaven, too, if they know Jesus. But if they don't, they're just good Catholics and they're going to hell. And, uh, and they looked at me kind of funny. And they said, and they said, well, we don't want to go to hell. And I said, I don't want you to go to hell either. And they both received Jesus. I had my uncle who uh, rejected Christ, rejected Christ, and then shortly afterwards took his life. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, I gave him instructions that this is how he received Jesus when he rejected him. And to this day, I want to believe that before he took his life, that he cried out to Jesus and that he's in heaven. Don't know that for a fact, but I hope so. And it's so important that we plant seeds everywhere that we go. Now, there's only one reason why most people don't tell people about Jesus. And one reason they don't tell people about the end times. A lot of people don't tell people about what's coming because they don't know what's coming. So you can't tell somebody something about something you don't know anything about. A lot of people don't tell people about Jesus because they're fearful. Sometimes I'll ask people, say, well, does so-and-so know Jesus? Well, I think so. Why don't you find out? Well, they act like they do. No, you are fearful to ask them because you will never offend someone who knows Jesus by asking them if they know Jesus. Does that make sense? You'll never offend somebody who knows Jesus if you ask them, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The reason you're holding back is because you're afraid to do that because you've got some fear going on in your life. Now, <coughs> excuse me. He goes on to talk about the great tribulation period, about when the temple was destroyed in verse number 15. And that's number fifth, verse number 15 through 28. It talks about the, the, the destruction of the temple that, that took place in 70 A.D., which back then was unbelievable. The temple of God that could never be destroyed was destroyed by Titus and the Roman army. So all of that came to came into place. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you as a foundation for this series that we're sharing is because certain things had to happen before Jesus would come back and rapture the church. We had to be in a position where the temple was destroyed. To this day, that is a huge monument to the destruction that took place over there. But that temple destroyed. It happened, but then God said it would happen. So if God said it would happen, what's going to happen? Turn your never say, if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's not, it's not, it's, everything that God said 
is going to happen. Then it goes on to say in verse number uh, 29, uh, Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give up its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And then it goes on to say, now learn this parable from the tree, from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation by no means pass until all of these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, when I used to read that, and I would think, well, he's talking to the disciples then. And he's saying that this generation will not pass away until everything takes place and I'll come again. How could that be? That was 2,000 years ago. Nobody lived that long. How could that be? And I, I love to read books. And I encourage all of you, if you're a reader, you'll be informed. If you're not a reader, you won't be informed. But you've got to read the right books. And I was reading this book one day by, I think it was Hilton Sutton, and he's talking about the fig tree that represented Israel. I didn't know that at that time. And I said, oh, fig tree represents Israel. Okay. And, and he was talking about the fig tree. When it began to sprout again, it would be as a nation of Israel. And then I thought about that, and I thought, wait a minute. You're talking about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel did not exist. It had been dispersed all over the world. And Jesus is talking about then the nation of Israel coming together as a nation. One of the greatest miracles that ever took place in my lifetime, and for many of you, especially you youth, long after you were born, or before you were born, but when Israel became a nation on May the 14th, 1948, that was a tremendous miracle that had to take place before, oh my goodness, this is 7.30? What time do we end? We end at 8, don't we? You thought I'd know that by now, wouldn't you? Actually, I saw somebody leave, and I saw it was 7.30, and I thought, oh, I'm running over. i got another 25 minutes. Okay. So, so the nation of Israel had to be reborn. Now, think about this just for a moment. The people of God were dispersed all over the world. There is no way they would ever have their nation back again in the natural. But because of England and because of America, because of the Balfour Declaration and all that stuff that we don't need to get into right now, and, and what happened through all of that, God gave them back their nation. And one of the greatest miracles that ever took place, Pastor Hagee shares in one of his books how his, he was about seven years old at the time, and his dad was sitting there having coffee in the morning. His dad was a pastor and a great theologian and studied a lot on the end times. And he said, my dad was very unemotional. And he said, I, I walked through the kitchen, and my dad was sitting there crying. And he was looking at the paper. And I said, Dad, what's wrong? And he said, son, we are just witnessing the greatest miracle we have ever experienced in our life. And he said, what is that? And he said, it's the birth of Israel. America was the first nation on earth to declare and to recognize the sovereignty of the nation of Israel. Now, 
What does all that mean? It means that God, through his son Jesus, said that would have to happen. That this nation, now I'm, I'm tying all of this in to when this rapture is going to take place. Because many people that I respect believe it could happen at any time. If they're correct, this says that this generation that is here when Israel becomes a nation would not pass away until the end comes. In 1948, and if you take 100 years from 1948, you can do the math. You could see that 100 years plus 1948, that generation, if this is correct, that generation is alive. Does that make sense to you? In other words, the generation that saw the birth of Israel is still alive. My generation, other people of my generation, we experience the actual birth of the nation of Israel. And so that brings this scripture into perspective. But then there was something else that had to take place that would complete that process. Israel had to be in possession. The Israelis had to be in possession of Jerusalem. And in 1967, and some of you might remember this, but unfortunately, you probably won't in school. All of you youth that are here, if you have heard of the Six-Day War in Israel, can you, would you raise your hands? Okay, about 40, 50 youth and three hands just went up. Four hands, okay. And one's homeschooled, so maybe more than that. When all the nations, not all the nations, but all the nations surrounding Israel decided to attack Israel, and Israel decided they didn't want to be attacked, and they gathered all their forces, and they preempted the whole situation by attacking the attackers, and in six days destroyed most of the Egyptian Air Force, all of the people that were coming against them, and finally the United Nations, who would not get involved, had to intercede to stop Israel not stop them, they couldn't stop Israel. Ask Israel to stop where they were because they were defeating and annihilating all of their enemies. You mess with Israel, you mess with God. And in the process, they took back Jerusalem. One of the greatest miracles ever. They took back Jerusalem, they took back the holy city, and it was their city and it belonged to them from the very beginning because God sees Jerusalem as the center of his world. And as we study and as we go through these next three weeks, you're going to find out that everything in the end time centers around Jerusalem, Israel, and comes out from there. The Bible is not written for America only. The Bible is written for the people of the world. And when you understand this, this is a world Bible, not just a Bible for America. Then we get into the seasons of life with the Word of God. And we determine, what does the Holy Spirit want me to do with where we are in this season, in this dispensation? What am I going to do with where I am today? Do you know the message of grace is going to take us right up to tribulation? But you know you can get involved in sin and try to use the message of grace, and the best thing for you is to repent. Does that make sense? Got awfully quiet in here just then. Turn to your neighbor. You're all in sin? 
The message of grace is a message that you will run to God, not from God. But you do not keep sinning because of grace. Does that make sense? Grace is God's unmerited favor. We have his unmerited favor. But we have to know, okay, where am I right now in the time frame that we live in? What am I going to do with what God has shown me to do? Now, Jesus said... In Matthew 24, verse 36, and I'll just do this real quickly here because we are going to run out of time. But in Matthew 24 through 36, Jesus said, again, furthering the end times, uh, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of man. Uh, For in those days uh, uh, before the flood, (coughs) there was eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and and, uh, did not know until the flood came, took them all away. I was praying the other day and I kept hearing over and over and over again the days of Noah, the days of Noah, the days of Noah, the days of Noah. And I thought, God, I don't know that I understand the days of Noah. I know what happened regarding the building of the ark. It took them 120 years or something like that to build that. Uh, people laughed at him. People scorned him. Uh, there were giants in the land. Things just weren't going well. And I was walking through this bookstore and, and I wasn't thinking about that particular thing. But I looked up on the, uh, it was out, out at Barnes and Noble, looked up on the shelf, and there's a book, The Days of Noah. And I thought, glory to God, is that you showing me that? And I got that book, pulled it down, and it was, it was a whole book, a short book, but a, sh- a whole book about what was going on in the days of Noah. And I started reading it. And it was talking about the absolute carnality of man and the tremendous amount of homosexual and sexual deviation that was taking place and that God was fed up and basically said, I wish I'd never created mankind. Now, that is the spirit of the Antichrist that is alive and well in the world today and it is excelling in America. Don't you believe anybody who tells you anything contrary to Scripture Don't believe anybody because it is the spirit of the Antichrist and it is taking you the wrong direction and it will divide you from God. We love the sinners. We hate the sin. Homosexuality destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Homosexuality unleashed will destroy any nation from within if it embraces it. Why? Not because of the sin per se. All sin separates people from God. But it is from the spirit of the Antichrist, which is so strong. And it's trying to get the children of the world. It's trying to get the children of the world. And I believe God sees it, and he detests it. He absolutely detests it. And that's what the days of Noah were like. And the days of Noah have arrived full circle on the face of the earth. So, you and I, we love the people that are in sin. I've had people in lifestyles like that, and I've said, look, I love you. Want to go to lunch? Want to hang out? But I want you to know that you are in sin. And I'm praying for you. And I want to help you. But you can't stay there. Because if you do... It'll destroy you. It will destroy you, and it will destroy others too. And you will miss God's plan for your life. God's plan will go down the drain if you go that direction. So, now, everybody says it's not heavy. Now, it may seem that way, but I mean, 
I, w- I just have this urgency to tell people about how much God loves them. And that, hey, get right with God. Let's, let's receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's go out and win the world. Let's tell all the people what's about to come. This is going to be exciting. We're going out of here in glory. Mike, w- when you were in the Marine Corps, you remember how they used to train us? Were you in during war? I was never in during war. I was in during peacetime, too. I always thought it would be so good to go to war against somebody and just do something, you know, shoot somebody or whatever. Now, I know that sounds funny, but you, you, you know, if they train you with the weapons and you get all these weapons and they train you in, in the, how to do combat and all. Now, for the people who have been in war, I know what they would say. You're just as good you missed. I understand that. But if you got all the weapons, you just want to shoot them sometime. And I always thought that it would be so good to do that sometime. But I was in in peacetime. It was six years of peacetime that we had in there. Never had the coast of Hawaii invaded at all while I was there. Glory to God. But, but anyway, but, but we are living in a time when we have the answer. And I, want, I hope this sinks in. We have the answer for all humanity. It's Jesus. You say amen to that? We got the answer for all of humanity. It's Jesus. It's not that secular textbook. It's not that, oh, come on now. Let's celebrate all this stuff. No, we're not going to celebrate stuff. We're going to speak and preach the word of God. And we're going to declare the goodness of God. And people are going to come into the kingdom in these last days because we don't have much time left. Now, we could be wrong about that. Maybe we got a lot of time left. But why don't we act like we don't have much time left? Because personally, the people that I respect, as I said earlier... They don't feel like we have a lot of time left. So why don't we take a bunch of people with us? And even though they may not get it the way we share it with them, the seed will be there. Have any of you seen the Left Behind movies? Pretty good stuff. I haven't seen the new one, but the pretty good stuff, the old ones that I saw, where these people are there and they're hanging, where did everybody go? Oh, and I, this one picture, I remember the husband. The husband's wife and children were gone. And the husband was sitting there. And he started to sob and he started to cry. And he cried out to God. And he received the Lord, and he was persecuted unmercifully. He could have gone up on the first boatload. He didn't have to suffer persecution. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have the answer for the world. We have the answer for the world. <coughs> but in the midst of it, we can't let our guard down. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you one final thing in Second Timothy chapter 3, and we won't spend a lot of time there because I've been in and out of this for quite some time now with our church here on Sundays. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's talking about the perilous times that are coming and, and how and what you and I should be doing in regard to them. And, and the, the genesis of this message in this series is, okay, what is coming and what are we going to do about it? What, what would God have us to do? How do we get prepared for it? And how do we live without a troubled mind, like Jesus said? Jesus said, let not your mind be troubled. And so we say, okay, it sounds like I could have a troubled mind, but you told me not to have a troubled mind, so I'm not going to. But <clears throat> it says in Second Timothy chapter 3, but, but know this, that in the last days, now you, you answer to me if you think we're in the last days, <clears throat> that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, This is what perilous times mean. Shilapas. Harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. The word describes a society that is barren of virtue but abounding with vices. In Lafayette, Indiana, it's kind of hard to describe it, Lafayette. With all those things, might be different if you lived in San Francisco as a born again, spirit filled Christian and preached this message. 
might have your head bashed in some places, might not get out of there alive. Some metropolitan areas in our city have been taken over by the spirit of the Antichrist. So to think that the outer bands haven't reached America, they're already here, and they're moving in. And the outer bands are just a warning of what's coming behind them. And then it goes on to say, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Anyone without self-control will go the way of the world. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such people turn away. I was sharing something with a young person not too long ago. It was really important, I felt, that I shared with them what the Holy Spirit showed me. And they didn't receive it, which is fine. I'm just to plant seeds, and so are you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a seed planter. <laughs> Doesn't matter whether people receive it or not, they cannot dispel the seed of the Word of God. It will never return void. And I told this person what I thought. And they said, well, I'm of a different generation. I'm an in-your-face generation. And I thought to myself, I felt the spirit of the Antichrist on the comments. And I felt that that's where a lot of people, young people are today. Not the young people of Victory Christian Center, but the young people that are out there in the world. They think they have all the answers because somebody's trying to tell them they have all the answers. You and I probably thought we had all the answers at that same age. But I do not believe that we had the infiltration of the Antichrist in our era like the infiltration of the Antichrist is in this era. The guard is down. Your children live in a different society and a different makeup of the world today than we lived in. Me being much older, but even some of you being much younger, lived in a whole different society than we're living in today. <clears throat> That's why you have to be so careful what your children are being taught in school whether it be grade school. We have some great teachers, by the way. I don't ever want to sound like I'm upset with teachers or professors, but we, but we have some curriculum, and we have some people teaching that are not teaching godly material. They're teaching material that would line up more with the Antichrist than it would the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll find them in grade schools. You'll find them in middle schools. You'll find them in high schools. You'll find them in, in colleges. One of the most dangerous places, I've said this for a long time now, and I'll continue to say it, one of the most dangerous places you can send your child is a college. Send them to college, but you make sure it's the right one, and you stay on top of that child. And you watch those professors. Dr. Snuggs, we're glad we got a spirit-filled, on-fire professor over at Purdue University. But the professor will gain entrance to your child because they will start to respect, and they will start to pull toward that one. You make sure they're learning what they're supposed to be learning. Besides that, you're paying the bill, probably. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, it goes on to say that... Uh, uh, for of those sort are those who creep into 
households and make captives of gullible women. I've never gotten the revelation of that one, Pam. Uh, it's, it's probably just tying it all back to how it all began with Eve. But uh, gullible women loaded down with sins, led away with various lusts, always learning, never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they progress no further, for their folly will manifest to all theirs was. Now, it goes on to say, but you who have followed my doctrine, do the work of the ministry. Uh, There will be persecutions, but keep right on. It says in verse number 12, yes, but all who desire to live godly. Now listen to this, because none of us want persecution. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Pastor Hagee, when he had his first night to honor Israel, thought God told him to do that in San Antonio about 15 years ago, <clears throat> the, uh, people all over the community came against him. They shot his car windows out, and they told him they're going to kill him if he kept honoring Israel. In the universities, right here in the state of Indiana, I've had contact with three of them. Didn't tell you this. I got a call from Butler concerning Christians United for Israel. <clears throat> they don't promote it, and they don't promote their homes, and they don't promote the telephone numbers at the universities. Why? Because of the danger for these young college students who want to have an organization that is supportive of the nation of Israel. Spirit of the Antichrist sweeping through the universities in America, trying to, to stop any relationship with the nation of Israel. And then it goes on to say, now, now, now let's all say this. I j- uh, okay, here, I want to lead you in this confession after I le- read this again. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay? So we're going down the road, and the road says bumpy road. What are you going to expect? Okay, the road, you go down, and it says curving the road. What are you going to expect? If it says an icy road, like the guy that got out of the car, what are you going to expect? Tell your neighbor, an icy road sign means the road may be icy. A sign from Jesus Christ of Nazareth that tells you that if you'll do what he says, you're going to be persecuted. What do you think you may be? Did Melba, did Larry get that? How many of you just long for persecution? You don't have to long for it. If you'll do the work of the gospel, if you'll do what Jesus calls you, you don't have to look for it. It'll find you. And you can look it square in the eye and you can say, I could really give a rip. This is what the Word of God says. You can take whatever you just said and shove it because this is what the Word of God said. Now, you probably shouldn't say it just like that. Oh, my goodness, we've got youth in here. Hallelujah. Oh, Dan, Kelly, clean it up for me next Wednesday, will you? But evil men and imposters were growing worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And then it goes on to say a whole lot more. We're going to pick it up next week. But... I don't want to leave you down, okay? I want to get to the very end. What can we do right now, okay? These are the four things that the Lord, that I felt quickened in my spirit. Number one, get rid of fear. If you don't get rid of fear, you're not going to be ready. Get rid of fear. It's the number one tool that the Antichrist will use. Fear. That's what terrorists do. Terrorists bring fear. Number two, tell people about Jesus everywhere you go. Stop holding back. You can tell when you've conquered fear. You start talking about Jesus everywhere you go. You'll know, hey, that's a new me. I just didn't used to do that. The only reason you don't talk about Jesus everywhere you go is because you're a little fearful. Number three, begin to tell people what's coming. You're not going to know what's coming if you don't know what's coming. 
<laughs> that's deep. <coughs> You've got to find out what the Word of God says <coughs> and read some books that are going to help you in this line. I'm going to have books next week that you, not books, but the type of books that you can read that I highly recommend will uh, help you order them and get you a 40% discount. <laughs> and then number four, I believe it's time to study the end times. Information is power. Information is power. You know what's coming. You're prepared for what's coming. You've got a power force, and you've got faith to believe God said what he said. I believe what he said, and therefore I know what I'm going to do because I know what he's called me to do. Now, the good news is this. The wrath of God is not coming on us. And for the people that think that we're going through the tribulation period, go for it. Let me know when you get to heaven what it's like because I'm going to be up there relaxing playing golf with Jesus. I don't know if there's a golf course there or not, but in, in, now in, in Matthew, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 5, I want to leave you with this scripture. In Romans chapter 5, this is the good news. What if the rapture came tonight? Probably on the way up I'd be so excited and then I think, gosh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd made sure a couple other people knew the Lord. <clears throat> it says in, in chapter 6 of, of Romans 5, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the tribulation period is the wrath of God coming upon this earth. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Let's all stand to our feet. What shall we be? We shall be saved from the wrath of God. Will we be saved from the outer bands of what's about to happen? No, we're going to go through them. Will the rumbling in this earth uh, affect us like it affects everybody else? Not like it affects everybody else, but it will affect us. But we'll say, that rumbling I knew was coming. Because I've read my Bible, and I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going from victory to victory, and God's going to take care of me through this period. It is an exciting period of time when the love of God is going to reach out one final time for the world and say, I created you. You are created in my image. My breath came into you and gave you breath. And I want you all to come home to me. And for those of you that know me, I want you to let me use you so that we can bring everyone else. If you could see the entire world the way God sees them, every person on the face of this earth is a child of God, part of his family, either with him or separated from him. But every person on the face of the earth is a creation of Almighty God. And that's why God is love. He'll never be able to separate himself from his love. But he wants everyone to come home. Would you bow your head just a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question that you'll ever answer. Do you know without a doubt that if you died today, you'd go to be with Jesus? Or maybe... Maybe you're here and you say, I don't know. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me of all of my sins. Or maybe you're here like, like a prodigal child. You knew the Lord at one time, 
but you know that you've walked away from him. And if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, you just described me. I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. All over this church. 